I want you to check your pulse this morning. Do you feel it? Some of you aren't getting anything. Is your heart still beating? Then you still have a chance. Are you still breathing? Then you still have a chance. As long as you're alive, you still have a chance to live the life you were made for. A chance to be the person that God created you to be. No matter how far off the path of purpose you've wandered, it doesn't matter how far you've run from God's loving plan for your life. It doesn't matter if the wheels of your life have come completely off the track and you've crashed and burned in a fire of failure. No matter how great your failures, your failures don't have to be the final chapter. Why? Because we have a God of the second chance. That's what I wanna talk about today. The God of the second chance. As long as you're alive, you still have a chance to be who God made you to be. We're gonna look at the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And when you talk about the book of Jonah and you ask people, what do you think the book of Jonah is about? Most people will say, well, it's about Jonah and the whale. And really, it's not a whale at all because the Bible says it was a great fish that swallowed Jonah. And a whale, of course, is a mammal, so it could have been a whale shark. We don't know what it was, uh, what type of fish, but it was a huge fish. And by the way, whale sharks and whales have been known to accidentally gulp humans and then spit them out. I mean, just last month, commercial lobster diver Michael Packard was diving in a depth of 45 feet of water off the coast of Cape Cod. And he said, at first it felt like a truck hit me. Everything went dark. And then I realized I'm in the mouth of a whale. He said, as the seconds ticked away, I thought, okay, this is how you're gonna die, being swallowed by a whale but then the whale spit him out because the whale was just as surprised to have gulped him in as he was surprised at being swallowed by the whale and he was taken to the hospital with a few bruises, but otherwise he was okay. Now for Jonah, God provided that great fish that swallowed him out of the depths. But in the four chapters of the book of Jonah, the great fish is only mentioned four times. So the book of Jonah is not really about the whale or the great fish. The great city of Nineveh, the largest city of that day, is mentioned nine times. So it's not really about the great fish or the great city. And even Jonah, the disobedient prophet, is mentioned 18 times. So it's not really about Jonah. The book of Jonah is all about the God of the second chance. God is mentioned 38 times in the four short chapters of the book of Jonah. You see, the book of Jonah is a powerful picture of how God treats his children when they sin and then come home to him. In the New Testament, the prodigal son ran away from the father as far away as he could go, living in sin and rebellion and disobedience to his father. He he squandered everything in his life away, but then when he comes home to the father, he didn't get a beating, he got a banquet. And the scripture says while he was a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him and held him and hugged him. See, we have a God that no matter how far we run away from God, if we'll just stop running, he will run to us. No matter how far you've run from God today, 
If you will just stop running, he will run to you and hold you in his arms, in those strong arms, and never let you go. You see, in the book of Jonah and all through the Bible, we see he's the God of the second chance. Now, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, the largest city of that day, and it was known for a culture of cruelty and for violence and atrocities. And God told Jonah to go there and tell them that because of their sins that they were bringing on themselves judgment and destruction, and, but they could turn to the God of the second chance. That was the good news, that they could turn to the God of the second chance, but Jonah didn't like God's plan. Why? Because he didn't like the Ninevites. In fact, he hated the Ninevites. He hated their sin. He hated their culture. He hated everything about the Ninevites. Now, the Bible says we're to hate sin because of what it does to us and what it does to others, what it does to communities, what it does to families, what it does to cities, what it does to nations. We're to hate sin and rebellion and disobedience to God, but we're to love the sinner. We're to love the sinner because we're all in the same boat, and so we're to love others. We're to hate sin, but we're to love the sinner. But Jonah hated their sin, and he hated them. And so he didn't want to obey God, so he ran from God. And you can run, but you can't hide from God. Jonah boarded a ship going the opposite direction of Nineveh, and the ship ran into a great storm. And in the storm, Jonah finally stops running. And he admits to the crew that, hey, I'm running away from the one true God, and he's not happy about it. And that's why this storm is gonna take down this ship unless you throw me overboard. And the crew was real reluctant at first, but finally when the ship was just about to sink, they threw Jonah overboard and then the storm stopped and the sea became calm. And, and it says all the people on the deck bowed down and worshiped the one true God. You see, Jonah finally gave up, he stopped running and then God ran to him. God sent a rescue fish, and let's look at it. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. We're gonna do a little study of the book of Jonah today. Jonah chapter two is where we'll start, and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, and just follow along with me. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Dear God, I know that you're the God of the second chance, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we've all failed at times. We've all wandered away from your plan for our lives. We've all at times thought we knew what was best and that you didn't. And Lord, many times we find ourselves in the belly of the whale, in that place of darkness where we don't know what to do. And Lord, I pray for everyone who finds themselves there right now that they would realize that you're the God of the second chance. I thank you for the miracles you're about to do in people's lives. I thank you for everyone worshiping with us online. You know where they're at and what they're going through. For everyone at our satellites, everyone here at the Woodlands Campus, you know, Lord, where they're at. And I know that you can meet them at their point of need. And Lord, we need you. Just like Jonah, we cry out to you today and we thank you that you hear us and you answer our prayers. 
And Lord, I, I just pray that you would work miracles in marriages and families and relationships and bodies and lives as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Because of his rebellion and failure to obey God, Jonah finds himself in the belly of a great fish. He'd hit rock bottom. There was no place to look but up. He was there in that place of total darkness. And we've all been there before. We've all failed. And so this message is something we all need. This is good news because we're all in the same boat. And whenever you disobey God and you think you know better than God, whenever you think your plan's a little better than God's plan, you start to go your way rather than the God's way, it always ends in a place of darkness. Look at Jonah chapter two, verse three. It says, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Jonah says, it's dark in here. I can't see anything. I can't see a way out. I can't see what to do next. And whenever you take a step against God and disobeying God, and you go your own way, you will always end in a place of darkness where you can't see what to do next. A place of doubt, the darkness of doubt, the darkness of confusion. And, and by the way, God's not the author of confusion. It says the enemy, Satan, is the author of confusion. God is the author of clarity. God wants you to be in a place of clarity, not confusion. But whenever we take a step away from God, like Jonah did, and it all started with just one step. You see, God told Jonah to go east to Nineveh, but he took one step west, and he thought that that was a pretty good idea at the time, but he ended up in the belly of the great fish in total darkness where he couldn't see a way out. And whenever we take one step in the opposite direction of God's plan for our lives, then we're on a path that leads to a place of darkness, the darkness of doubt, the darkness of confusion, and we don't know what to do but that's where God can meet us, right where we are in that place of darkness. Maybe you're in a place of darkness right now. You made some bad choices. You stepped away from God's plan and you're not sure you can get back into God's plan now. Just know that the God of the second chance that Jonah encountered is the same God of the second chance today. And you can encounter him right here, right now. But I want you to see when you step away from God's plan, you always end up in a place of desperation. In Jonah 2.5, it says, the water came over me and choked me. The sea covered me completely and seaweed wrapped around my head. I mean, just imagine how awful that must have been to be inside the belly of that great fish. It was total darkness. He can't see a thing, but he can smell everything. The smell of those fish digesting in the stomach of that huge fish I can't even imagine. And then the acidity, the digestive acids of a fish that size would have burned all the hair off of Jonah, would have burned his skin, would have been so painful. And then he must have felt claustrophobic. I mean, just stuck in there, in that small space where there was no hope. Everywhere he looked, it was darkness and hopelessness. And whenever I step away from God's plan for my life, I'm on a path 
it's gonna lead to desperation, but that's a good thing. If you're in a place of desperation today, you're in a good place because you're at that place right before a miracle. God always allows us to get in a place of desperation so that we realize how much we need him. And Jonah finally began to realize that. Whenever we disobey God and we do what we feel is best rather than what God wants us to do, we choose our plan rather than God's plan, we always end up in a place of hopelessness because God is hope. If we run from God, we run away from hope. But today, hope wants to run to you. But I want you to also see that not only do you end up in this place of darkness and desperation, it leads to death. In verse six, Jonah says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains that rise from off the ocean floor. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of death. But, O oh Lord my God, you have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. Jonah knew in the belly of that great fish he was staring at death. Because of his series of bad decisions, he had built his own coffin. And whenever we run from God, whenever we think that we know what's best and we go our own way, we can build a coffin big enough to bury a marriage in. We can build a coffin big enough to bury a business in, or to bury a friendship in, or to bury a dream in, or to bury a career in, or to bury our finances in. You see, Jonah had built his own coffin, and he'd come to this place of death, and whenever we go our own path, that path only leads one place, death. Jesus talked about Jonah in the New Testament. Did you know that? That's one of the reasons why we know it really happened, because Jesus said it did. In Matthew 12, 39, Jesus says this. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what is the sign of Jonah? The sign of Jonah is resurrection. The sign of Jonah is resurrection. Jesus said, just as Jonah, the prophet, was in the belly of that great fish for three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the grave for three days and three nights. And Jesus was saying, the only sign you need to know that I am who I claim to be is resurrection. I'm gonna rise from the dead. Resurrection. And so the sign of Jonah is resurrection. And many scholars think that Jonah died in the belly of that great fish. It does make sense. And that God resurrected him. And we don't know for sure, but we do know that God resurrected the purpose in Jonah's life. God resurrected his hopes. God resurrected his plan for Jonah. See, the book of Jonah reminds us that God specializes in resurrection. He can resurrect a dying dream, he can resurrect a dying marriage, he can resurrect dying hope. He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrection. And the sign of Jonah is resurrection. And God wants to bring resurrection in your life today. Maybe resurrect a dream, maybe resurrect those hopes that are in you that are starting to die. Resurrect a relationship. I don't know what it is, but just know you have a God of the second chance who specializes in resurrection. You see, the point of the whole book of Jonah is this. My greatest failure can be God's finest moment in my life. Your greatest failure 
can be God's finest moment in your life. Your failure is not the final chapter. Your story has not been written yet. If you will give God the pen, he will write something amazing from your failures. He will take your failures and turn it into purpose. It's amazing how he can do that in our lives. I want you to notice first that God gave Jonah a second chance. God gave Jonah a second chance. One of the most beautiful verses in all of scriptures in Jonah 3, 1. After the great fish spit him out on the beach of Nineveh, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. See, after Jonah ran from God, he thought his life was over in the belly of the beast, but God gave him a second chance. God gave him a second chance to get back into his purpose. And maybe today you feel like you've run so far from God, you can never get back into God's purpose for your life. It's not true. The same God of the second chance that gave Jonah that second chance is the same God of the second chance you have today. And if you'll just stop running, he'll run to you and he'll welcome you home. God's character never changes. He's still the God of the second chance. And I want you to see, not only to give Jonah a second chance, he gave Nineveh a second chance. Jonah goes into Nineveh, the largest city of the day, and the Bible says it takes him three days to walk all the way through the city. And as he walks through the city, he's proclaiming, hey, the one true God sent me here to tell you guys that because of your violence and cruelty and all of your selfishness and sin, then your deserved judgment is on its way within 40 days if you don't turn to the God of the second chance. And he's walking through the city, and it takes him three days to do this. He has no sound system. He has no praise team. He's just one guy that's a stranger walking through, telling them this, and they listen. Why? Because Jonah was a walking sermon. I mean, Jonah, just imagine what he looked like. You know, he came out of that fish. You know, all the hair is burned off his body and he's bleached, ghost white. He looked like a ghost returning from the dead. And I'm sure there were some of the fishermen of Nineveh that actually saw the whale spit him out. That great fish spit him out onto the shore. I, I mean... It got their attention. Jonah was a walking sermon on the needless pain of disobeying God. And they saw that walking sermon. It's like, okay, we're gonna turn and we're gonna start obeying God. We don't want this to happen to us. I mean, he was a walking sermon and they listened to him and they turned and not only did they believe, the Bible says they believed, but then they turned away from their sin. God woke them up to the tragedy of their sin. And God broke them. He woke them and he broke them. They were broken by their sins and how they had hurt God and how they had hurt each other and hurt themselves and how tragic their sins were. You know, we live in this, quote, woke culture today that, that tries to force everyone to be politically correct. But what I have found is some of the people that say they're the most woke are totally asleep when it comes to their own sin and selfishness. And we get real woke when it comes to everybody else's sins, but on our own, 
we can be totally asleep. But I want you to know, the Ninevites were woke. God woke them and he broke them about their own sins. And when God wakes you, he shakes you and it breaks you. Your heart is broken over your sins and and the damage they cause in relationships to the people that you love and in your own life and how it steals away purpose and joy and, and creates disconnection between you and the God who made you and how it drives the spikes into the hands of the perfect one. And so the Ninevites... They were woke, and they were broke. Their hearts were broken, and they turned totally to God. And the God of the second chance gives them another chance. In Jonah 3.10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So God gave Jonah a second chance, God gave Nineveh a second chance, and God wants to give you a second chance. The God of the second chance in Jonah's day is the God of the second chance today. But we need to do what Jonah did, what the Ninevites did. First, I've gotta face my failures and look up to God. I've gotta face my failures. It's easy for me to point out your failures and sins. It's easy for me to point out someone else's failures and sins. But it's a different story to look within. I've got to face my failures and look up to God. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. God brought Jonah to the place where he had to face his failures in the belly of the great fish. In Jonah 2, 1 and 2, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. So Jonah cried out to the Lord in his affliction, not in his affection. He called out to God, not because he was so in love with God, his affection for God. No, it was his affliction, his pain that caused him to call out to God. And many times, God will let us have our own way so that we'll end up in this place of darkness and desperation and death so that we feel the pain that eats away our denial and we call on God. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom so there's only one place to look and that's up because we'll look everywhere else trying to find an answer but up. And we have to look up to God and call out to God. And sometimes God allows us to get in a place of pain so that we can find our purpose. God allows us to get into a place of pain to get our attention, and maybe you're going through some pain right now, and maybe that's God getting your attention so that you'll turn to him and turn away from all those things that you've been trusting in. Sometimes God has to wake us and shake us, and sometimes everything around us gets shaken so that we know there's only one thing that we can truly trust in that can never be shaken, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the true anchor. And so, are you going through some pain right now? Let that pain push you into God's purpose for your life. Let that pain push you to the only one who can bring healing and hope. Jonah cried out to the Lord, and God heard his prayer. 
And maybe today you're thinking, I don't deserve for God to hear my cry for mercy. I don't deserve for God to forgive me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've run from God. None of us deserve it. We don't deserve his mercy or his grace, but we call out to him. Whether it's in affliction or affection, we call out to him and he hears us. Out of his mercy and grace, it's totally undeserved. You see, we rarely change when we see the light, but we change when we feel the heat. So God will allow that heat. He will allow that pain so that we can wake up. He can wake us. He can shake us. And then he can make us into who he's called us to be. So I have to face my failures and look up to God, but then this is the tough one. Surrender control and return to God's path. Jonah, like most of us, had control issues. And God had to confront his control issues because if he didn't confront his control issues, then Jonah wasn't gonna go anywhere in life. He was gonna keep ending up in the belly of a whale. And so God had to confront his control issues, and God will do just about anything to confront your control issues because he knows if you're in control, then he can't be. And if you're in control, your life is just gonna keep spinning out of control. The more you try to control something, the more it spins out of control. The more you try to control something, the more you crush the life out of it. You weren't made to be in control, but when you try to control the uncontrollable, you're trying to be God. And that's what Jonah did. He tried to control God's plan for his life. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell them that I'm the God of the second chance. And Jonah didn't want to do that. Why? Because he hated the Ninevites. Uh, I mean, he was proud. He felt like he was better than them. He didn't feel like he was in the same boat with them. He, he hated their sins and he hated them. And God could have chosen another prophet, and maybe a prophet who had a heart for Nineveh, who'd been praying for Nineveh. God, I pray for the Ninevites. You know all their wickedness and, and they're just hurting each other. They're hurting you, but God, I love them. And oh God, please bring them to you. And God could have picked someone like that. I'm sure there was someone like that in that day. He could have picked any prophet, but why did he pick Jonah? Because Jonah didn't want to go. That was the one thing Jonah was holding on to. Don't steal from me my hate of the Ninevites. It makes me feel better about myself. And God picked him because he saw that rebellion, that little bit of rebellion, and God can see the little bit of rebellion in my heart, and he goes right there. He goes right there to test that. Why? Because he knows I'll never have ultimate peace when I'm trying to control something. Jonah was trying to control God's plan. Jonah said, God, that's not a good plan. I know better than you. You don't really know. He was trying to control, and so God says, you go to the Ninevites. The one thing you don't want to do, you go. And Jonah finally had to give up control because whenever you try to control, whatever you try to control always ends up in the belly of a whale. Some of your marriage today is in the belly of the whale. Some of you, your finances are in the belly of the whale. Some of you... Your family's in the belly of a whale because you've been trying to control. Your life is in the belly of a whale because you've been trying to control everything. But it's in the belly of the whale where we surrender control and find peace and can return to God's path. He was finally there in that place where he had to give up to God. It's, okay, God, I'll do it your way. I surrender. In Jonah 3, 1 through 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. 
So God gives Jonah a second chance, but God's plan doesn't change. Jonah had to change. You notice that God tells him a second time the same thing. I mean, God didn't say, well, Jonah, now that you've repented and now that, you know, I'm so glad that you've returned to me and you know what? I know you don't like the Ninevites. You didn't want to do that. So why don't you just go to Tarshish and take a vacation for a week? Just hang out. I got an Airbnb there for you. I picked it out. Just go on in. Just relax. I know it's been traumatic, you know, having all your hair burned off and and being inside of a great fish for three days and three nights, and that's pretty rough. So just just go relax. No, he says, I'm going to give you a second chance to join my plan. See, God never comes over and joins our little plan. We have to join God's big and great plan for our lives because that's what's best for us. So God's not going to give in to my little plan. He's gonna give me another chance, another chance, another chance to join his plan. But he's not gonna join my little plan. Jonah had to make the change. It was a second chance to join God's plan. And it says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And that obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. And so what is God telling you to do today? What is clearly in God's word that you're not obeying? what you're trying to do there is control. You're trying to control that. God, I know better how to control this than you do. God, I know better how to control my finances than you do. You say give and tithe and God, but that's, I mean, that's that's tough. So I, I think I know a little better. God says, love your enemies. And it's like, yeah, but God, you know, I mean, they're bad folks, you know. You can't love them. I mean, they're terrible. Trying to control We try to control, we try to control, we try to control. We think we know better than God. God, yeah, you're right on all those things, God, but you're not right on this one, so I'm not gonna do that one. We try to control, and God will keep confronting you. God will come right into that place that you're trying to control, and you'll end up in the belly of a whale because he loves you. And that's where you can finally surrender and find peace and see that God knows best, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose. Look at Psalm 4610 because somebody needs this desperately today and maybe it's me. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Cease striving. Some of you are striving today. You see, you keep trying to wrestle the wheel, the steering wheel away from God. You keep trying to sit in the driver's seat. There was a best-selling book years ago that was called God is My Co-Pilot, and everybody thought, oh, that's so great. God is my co-pilot. What a great Christian book. No. God's not your co-pilot. He's not anyone's co-pilot. He's either the pilot or nothing at all. He's not there helping you drive, giving you some advice. No, he's in the driver's seat. And when you're in the driver's seat, instead of God, God made you to need him to drive your life, to be the general manager of your life. But whenever you're in the driver's seat, it'll be the striver's seat. You'll start striving and worrying. You'll get anxious. You'll try to control, and you'll spin out of control. And God says, if you'll just give me the wheel, then I'll drive your life, and you'll find peace and provision and you'll get my power. But we take 
the wheel. We try to be the driver and we become the striver. And God said, it's time for you to cease striving. And the only way you can cease striving is to cease driving and give the wheel over to God. Some of you, you're holding on to the wheel so tight right now and it's time for you to let go and give it over to God and finally surrender and be filled with his peace. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Basically, that implies that you don't know that he's God, that I don't know that he's God, that I think I'm God. He's basically saying, cease striving and no, I'm God, you're not. Don't get confused here with who's God and who's not. I'm God, you're not. And that's the way it works and that's the way you work best. So I face my failures, look up to God, I surrender control and return to God's path and some of you today is the day that you start getting rid of your control issues and let God take over. We all have those control issues and God loves you so much, he's gonna confront you in that area of control. He knows that if we're in control, he can't be. And so he'll do just about anything to confront your control issues because he don't, doesn't want you to strive, to worry, to fret. But there's a third thing, release my regrets and rest in God's grace. We've got to release all those regrets and rest in God's grace. How do you do that? How do you live a no regrets life so you, when you come to the end of your life, you have no regrets because we're all going to fail at times. That's why we need this message. We're all gonna end up in a belly of a whale at times. We're all gonna have these failures and mistakes and sins. We're gonna make messes. And so how do we live with no regrets? 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us, distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets, end up on a deathbed of regrets. So it's not the problems and the pain and the failure that fills you with regret at the end of your life. It's turning from God in the pain and the problems and the failures. It's turning from God. Uh, but God wants the pain to push you into his purpose and to push you closer to him. I've talked to so many people in my life that when I ask them, well, what's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to you? They'll tell me about something really negative. I said, well, 10 years ago, I lost my job, but if I hadn't lost my job, I thought it was awful at the time. I thought everything was hopeless, but I wouldn't have started my business. That God's really blessed. I'm so grateful I lost my job. You know, I'm so grateful that my business went bankrupt 15 years ago. If it wasn't for that, I would have been so prideful because I just thought I had it all together. I was on top of the world, and I was not a nice person. I'm so grateful for that because everything's changed. My whole family's changed. We put a priority on what's most important, and God has met our needs. And I mean, it's amazing. So many people look back on the most painful experience of their life, and though they would never wish it on anyone, say, that was the moment. God used that. My greatest failure became God's finest moment in my life. And I want you to know, just like Jonah, your greatest failure can become God's finest moment in your life if you let the pain push you into his arms. Like the prodigal son, 
It took the pain. He had to finally wake up and smell the pig pen that he was in. And that brought him home. And he didn't get a beating. He got a banquet. The father ran to him. If you will just stop running today, he will run to you and hold you in his strong arms and welcome you home. Isn't it time that you come home? Isn't it time that you come home? And I'm talking to some of you who've been a believer for a long time. You know the Lord and you spend time with God. You're here at church, but yet you're holding on to something. You're holding on to something, trying to control it. And it's time. It's time to come home and give it to the Lord and let him bring peace. Just know that God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he knows what's best for you. And when we hold on, we just hurt ourselves. You hold on to hate, you hurt yourself. You gotta let go and forgive. When you hold on and try to control something, you only hurt yourself and what you're trying to control. Let go. But don't just let go. Let go to God and let him hold you. He's big enough to hold you and everything you're trying to control. He's got you in his hands and the whole world in his hands. It's time to come home. And some of you have wandered way far from God and you're going, Carrie, I can't come back. I've gone so far away from God. You don't know what I've done. I'm so far away from God. I can never get back in God's purpose. And I wanna tell you, no, we have the God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, praise God. He's not just the God of the second chance. He's the God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And he's here right now. And if you will just stop running, you will find that he's been following you all your life. And he'll be right there for you to hold you in his arms and welcome you home. Isn't it time you come home? Let's bow together. Dear God of the second chance and third chance and fourth chance and fifth chance, oh, how we need you, Lord. And we, like Jonah, just cry out to you today and ask you to meet us right in the middle of our failures, to meet us right in the middle of our messes and work a miracle. Meet us right in the middle of our pain, Lord, and push us into your purpose. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for trying to control things we were never meant to control, for trying to play God, and we know that you're God and we're not. So we give you the driver's seat, we give you the steering wheel. Lord, we stop driving so that you can help us cease striving. Lord, I pray you'd bring peace and strength today. I pray for everyone who has a broken heart today. Maybe, Lord, they've just lost a loved one so dear to them that the pain, Lord, is just overwhelming. I pray that you would just let them know how much you love them and in the grief that you would just come alongside them in such a real and strong way and you'll hold them up, Lord Jesus as our church family holds them up. And then, Lord, I pray for those who are going through just a lot of pain and a lot of loss in some area of their life that you would let them know that you know where they're at and you're gonna see them through. And, Lord, I, I just pray that you would just meet everyone at their point of need. 
pray for those who feel like they're such a failure they can never get back in your plan, that you just help them realize all they have to do is stop running and that you can take their greatest pain and turn it into their greatest purpose. You can take, Lord Jesus, their biggest mess and turn it into the biggest miracle. Do that right now as only you can. And we pray for those, Lord, who have never received you. They've wandered from you their whole life. They've never come home, that they would come home today, right now, and they would pray this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, I'm coming home today. I'm tired of trying to drive. I give you the steering wheel, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I don't deserve it, but I accept your free gift of forgiveness in heaven one day. I'm coming home. Hold me in your arms and never let me go. Be the Lord of my life. Give me your strength to follow you from now on. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life and he will never leave you. We wanna know about it. If you prayed online, just click raise my hand, I received Christ. We wanna help you with that decision. And if you prayed here at the Woodlands campus or one of our satellite campuses on your way out, tell one of the pastors. We wanna give you information on how to grow in your faith. We wanna be there for you. Did you realize we had 1,060-something people baptized at our Super Summer Baptisms to say that they love Jesus and that he's changed their life. Amazing. I mean, God is working this summer. This is a summer of life change more than any in the history of Woodland Church. Isn't that amazing what God does? God is moving. God is working. And so we're at the part where we give back to God as part of our worship service. And so I want to ask our ushers to come at this time and, and to be ready to give. And, and I tell you what, I'm going to make some announcements. And go ahead, ushers, and start taking the offering now while I make some announcements. Um, but we just say to you, give because you love God. And give because you love what God's doing through the ministries of Will and Church. So go ahead, guys. Start taking the offering right now. Um, giving is so vital for our hearts because it breaks the grip of materialism in our lives. The only way you can really raise your kids in this materialistic society to really break free from it is to learn to give. God blesses you to be a blessing, so give. And the way you give, of course, you can give in the offering basket, but you can also give by taking out your smartphone and you just text the word GIVEWC to 77977. GIVEWC, one word, to 77977. Or you can give online on the computer, wc.org slash give, wc.org slash give. Or you can give stocks, you can give assets. There's many ways to give. But give because you love God. But also I wanna say that in the summertime, it's a time where giving usually goes down, but our ministries are going up like crazy. And we're, we're doing more ministry than ever in our area and around the world. It's just been amazing what God's doing. And so we really need your giving this summer. It's so important. And so I just really challenge you, you know, to don't go on vacation in your giving. Make it consistent and give to the Lord because we're doing so much. Hey, one of the ministries I want to point out is our ministry in Haiti. We started a new farmer's field school this year in Haiti. We've been doing farmer's field schools 
that don't give the people a handout, but a help up as we give them the seed and the training to do great farming and it produces great crops. And then we have the coffee ministry where we help them grow great coffee and then we purchase the coffee at a, at a good price and it changes their communities. And we've usually sent clinics and medical teams over there constantly and we do so much, um, but we haven't been able to go in a long time because of all the troubles and all the things that have been going on. And we're still not able to get back in there, but we've trained so many Haitians who love Jesus so much, great leaders that are making all the difference, that we're starting a new farmer's field school. And um, we just keep doing those kind of things all the way through this. We, we haven't stopped. We've been doing more missions than we've ever done, even through the whole pandemic. And so I just really encourage you, challenge you to give. Um, and maybe you want to give a little extra this summer if God's blessed you and um, to do that for his glory and his kingdom above your tithes and offerings. Uh, but let's give to the Lord because we love him. And now I want us to stand, Woodland Church, and we're gonna sing a dedication. It's a brand new song that Josh and Stephen have written that uh, Woodland's Worship. We just recorded our second live album. I'm so proud of this team. God's using Woodland's Worship all over the world to make a difference, and we're just getting started, and so... This song is Love is on the Way. I know it means something really dear to Josh and, um, and I know to all of us that love is on the way. And so this week, I want you to keep your heart wide open because love is on the way. Watch for God's miracles. Watch for God to work in your life. I believe with all my heart, God's miracle is on the way for you this week. God wants to do something in your life this week and he wants you to be sensitive to it, to be watching for it. And you got to keep your heart open. Don't shut your heart down. Keep your heart open to minister to someone, to do something for someone else, and then God wants to meet your needs. It's amazing how that works because love is on the way this week. Now, I, I can tell you this too. First, expect Satan to hassle you because God's working in our lives, in our families, in our church like crazy, and the enemy doesn't like it. So expect Satan to hassle you. Secondly, Expect a miracle this week. Expect a miracle this week. God's up to something great. Be open to what God wants to do. And thirdly, expect to grow like crazy this summer. As you get involved at Woodland Church, get connected at Woodland Church, get in a life group, get in a ministry, man, expect to grow like crazy because God is up to something great and love is on the way. I don't know what you've gone through this last week, but love is on the way. Don't shut down your heart now when love is on the way. Let's sing it with all our hearts. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.